Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Bowhunter Chronicles podcast brought to you by Huntworth. Huntworth bringing you quality hunting clothing and packs at a price you deserve. Check them out at HuntworthGear.com. As always, I'm your host Adam Miller here, uh, the world's worst bow hunter, bringing you uh, each week new episodes to help you level up as a deer hunter, whether you're a very successful hunter or you're brand new. Uh, we try and bring you information that's uh, helpful to all skill levels in a fun and efficient way. Uh, this week we are talking with Skylar Summers from Behind the Bow. And if you've ever tried to hunt the hills, where do you set up? Do you set up up top in the upper third where it's terrible to get to? Or do you set, set up down at the bottom where all the sign is? Um, and then uh, we also go into those moments where you make a bad shot, uh, you miss a deer, and how do you recover from that Skyler is a school-trained Marine sniper, um, and if you've watched their latest video, he he misses two times in one day. Um, we talk a little bit how to uh, uh, recover from that, and like mentally, how do you get yourself uh, back on track? Um, but real quick, uh, got to give a shout out to our latest Patreon. Um, Kevin Defoe from Howard City, thank you so much for helping support the show. Uh, Patreon is crowdfunding for creators, um, and we do as much as we can to give back. Um, so I'll get that. I, I'll give you a swag pack, uh, T-shirt, uh, stickers, all that stuff. I'll get that in the mail uh, this upcoming week. And uh, got to give a shout out to a few of the guys who've just been knocking down some great bucks. Um, Alex Blue out in Kansas killed a great buck like it was over 160 inches uh, once they put the tape to it Zach McCann out in Nebraska um, he he was out there for a few days and was able to get it done real quick and uh, Eric Loso today is Michigan's gun opener uh, and he killed a great buck today as well I'm sure there's other guys that you know if you're uh, out there having success share them with us and uh, we'll give you a shout out on the podcast um, 
really do uh, appreciate it. But, you know, to give back to these guys who are supporting the show, we do quarterly giveaways. Um, and our sponsors, we don't work with anybody who won't give back, uh, offer up something to uh, the guys that support us. And so Huntworth uh, is giving away their Fairbanks uh, bibs and their jacket. Um, so that's their super cold weather, uh, big uh, very, very cold weather setup. Uh, that quarterly giveaway is given away in January, so it'll be just in time. Um, you know, for you guys that have seasons that go um, past January, uh, like I've got an Ohio tag uh, into into uh, February. So, uh, but that's what they're giving away. Uh, we're going to be giving away a bow, um, leaning towards that bear Alaskan or uh, the Redemption uh, bow, uh, I think it's called, the Resurgence. Uh, same bow, just comes with uh, all the stuff, and then we're going to get that set up with uh, one of the adjustable red dots. If you, if you check out adjustable red dot, go follow them on Instagram. Um, they are out in Kansas right now. I think they're out there for like the entire month of November, or most of the most of the month, and they've just been knocking down some great bucks. And uh, you know, a really cool site uh, for those of you guys that have a hard time with a peep site, have a hard time, you know, getting on the deer. Uh, maybe don't have the greatest of eyesight. Uh, the target acquisition on those is incredible. So check them out at adjustablereddot.com. Um, Lucky Buck, they give away. Uh, one of their tubs of uh, mineral, and if you can't use that, they've got some seed uh, for some food plot work. Um, we've been using that just this year up at our, our property in the UP. Uh, just saw some photos. With my uncle killed a great um, eight point up there with incredible time length, and, and that's not something that we that we normally see. Now, one year of uh, lucky buck, I don't know um, if that's contributing, but I definitely would say that it's not hurting um up there really really happy to see that um and then spartan forge i can't say enough about spartan forge spartan forge is um artificial intelligence for the deer woods there's prediction um you know right now we're in the rut so it just says full range these deer are running all over very abnormal pattern um but uh, in some of those bed to feed patterns, it looks at the weather, it looks at the history, um, and it says what these deer should be doing, where they're going to be doing it on those days. Um, and check them out at SpartanForge.ai. You can use code Bowhunter for um, 25% off. But right now they're offering free mapping, so their maps are absolutely incredible um, they don't have the, all of the areas but they've got a large portion um, of the midwest with uh, uav flyover single branch uh, imagery and it is the best that's out there by far um, but some of the same stuff you can get from the uh, other maps you know landowner information um, maps gps tracking all that stuff they have free uh, on their app so Go check that out. You won't get the predictable uh, deer prediction stuff, but you will get um, the mapping, and uh, that's just in, as incredible. And they do, um, you know, it's a veteran-owned company. They do a lot to give back to veterans, um, and they're also, th right now they're raising money for for veterans, and they're giving away a hunt with them down in Alabama. So the guys that are going to be there are going to be the guys from Seek One, uh, the DIY sportsman Garrett Prawl, Johnny Stewart, uh, Jason Red from Timber Ninja, and then 
the owner, Bill Thompson. Uh, they're all going to be down there, so you'll get to hunt with those guys, um, and you'll get prizes from Sitka, Hoyt, Timber Ninja, Dialed Archery, Spy Point, Vortex, uh, the guide service, um, and then Predator e-bikes as well. Um, so if you go to their Instagram, uh, there's a, a GoFundMe on there. So basically, you just have to uh, sign up for the app. It can be the free app. Uh, Spartan, follow Spartan Forge on Instagram, share a post, and then make a donation. Um, and you're in the running for an incredible hunt with uh, some of the best guys in the industry Uh, so you can go and check that out check that out on the spartan forge um, instagram Uh, but if you've stuck with us for this long you have a thank you so much Uh, you guys are really going to love this episode skyler is a great guy uh, and behind the bow puts out some of the best films um, that are out there Uh, definitely check them out but these guys are killers and uh, you're going to really love this episode as always thanks for listening hey everybody welcome back to another episode of the bowhunter chronicles podcast adam and john here and uh we got somebody on here that's kind of like uh elusive right like these guys from uh behind the bow they put out a a film once a year. They kill all these big bucks. They do all sorts of stuff on Instagram and whatnot. But trying to track them down, it's like you can't. You don't have very much information on them. Uh, we had Curtis on a few years ago to talk a bit about antelope hunting and and some of the the behind the bow stuff. And now we've got uh, Skylar Summers again. You know from behind the bow. Uh, how you doing tonight, Skylar? Pretty good. Yeah, not bad. Wishing so, I had a few more tags, but that's about it. Well, we, we've got an abundance here. So, <laughs> you know, yeah. you're, you're talking with uh, the world's most elusive hunter, John Hunts, you know, whenever he can squeeze it in. And I'm the world's worst bow hunter. So it's like, I, I but honestly, I've been passing, ton, I've, I've passed more small bucks this year than I've ever had in my entire hunting career. Like, I don't, the, the bucks are there. We didn't normally pass them, though. Right? I know that's what I'm saying. Like I, I've, I just shot all of them. Everything that walks by, like I'd shoot them. And I even said this year, like I was just going to go on a killing spree, and then these little bucks keep showing up, and I'm like, oh, I just can't, I can't do it, I can't do it. And so my daughter, she told me tonight, she's like, well, because I just asked her, like, what do you want me to shoot? And she's like, well, at least a six point. I'm like, okay. I'm like, well, there's a, there's a, there's an eight point that's busted off out there. That's four on one side, and it's got a, just the base. She's like, "Nope, let him go." I'm like, I, you know, I've never teach her that. Like, she's like, "No, <laughs> next right. year he'll be really big." She's seven, right? So, but, yeah. uh, but uh, gotta figure it out. Yeah, yeah. She's and you know, I'll ask her like, "What are we gonna do tonight?" And she's like, "Well, if you shoot a deer, like, we're gonna have to cut it up." So, I'm like, okay, that's, that's great. Um, but yeah, so for for people who don't know like who you are or or whatever. And I guess we should probably tell this now. So we told this, I think before when we were on with Curtis, but we were down at ATA and, uh, our first year, our first year at ATA, we went into this bar and, uh, we didn't get any food. And uncle Frank was just drinking IPAs. He just kept saying, I'll have that IPA. We, we ordered the food and it took so long that in the meantime, uncle Frank got, you know, pretty blitzed, <laughs> but, and so there was these guys from you could tell they were from the hunting show from ATA. And then 
talking with Dan Johnson at the bar right next to us. And Uncle Frank kept stopping and interrupting their stories and putting his hands on them and being like, let me tell you. And uh, Dan Johnson wasn't having it. But that was my first introduction to the guys from behind the bow because that happened to be uh, the the gentleman at the, at the bar. So do you remember that, Skyler? I do. I do remember that. Yeah, a little bit. Not uh, <laughs> the details, but I do remember. I definitely remember meeting you for sure. But and I do remember. Uh, Oh, uncle there. So <laughs> uncle Frank. So yeah, yeah. that was the night I had to walk him back to the hotel and put him to bed. Oh. And we were staying on like the wrong side of town. And yeah. I had to walk through like the homeless section. John gave some homeless yeah. guy a hundred bucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was, that was a good one there. <laughs> but uh, yeah. So for guys who aren't familiar with, with you or for behind the bow, like Skylar for yourself, like what's your, like hunting background, like where did it start and like, like your, your roots of like learning to hunt? Oh uh, yeah. I, I mean, that my dad, um, probably still, I, I think he might be even a little more elusive than John. He's probably <laughs> the, uh, most elusive deer hunter that I know. Um, and he, he, he does pretty good. Um, but I started hunting, um, in Northern Wisconsin, uh, up in the big, like the Nicolay national forest and some of these huge, huge tracks of public land, which, you know, my first deer season ever <laughs> that I ever gun hunted. Um, I sat all nine days, I didn't see a single deer. So that, that's kind of where my deer hunting experience started. And my dad didn't give me any sympathy whatsoever. He just said that that's just the way that it goes. And I said, okay. Um, but yeah, he's pretty much, you know, taught me everything that I know. I, and I still like this weekend I was up North. We, we own a cabin up there and my dad owns a cabin up there. And then, uh, I was scouting this weekend a little bit for gun season, which starts next Saturday for us here in Wisconsin. So he was up there he's already got all his scouting done because he's retired now and he spends most of his week up, uh, up North at the cabin. And, uh, yeah. Um, but yeah. And then, so I've always been on the public land and then I went to high school, you know, and started bouncing around to a little bit more public land. My dad would drop me off before I had my driver's license as a public land. And I go set up like a dummy somewhere and, uh, wherever I saw some tracks or some sign or a water hole or whatever I could find, I'd set up in there and, you know, started learning that way. And, uh, my dad would pick me up. And then I met Curtis who was, you know, kind of had the same upbringing. Uh, he's a little bit older than me when, when I was in high school. And yeah, basically since I met Curtis, we just started filming stuff in high school. And if you would see some of that footage, I mean, you, you get a good crack out of that stuff. It's pretty good. <laughs> some of our first, uh, ever film filming, but Curtis was always big into the filming stuff and he kind of got me into that. And I just kind of liked it. I don't know. And then ever since then, well then after high school, obviously I left for the Marine Corps. So I lived through Curtis every deer season. And, you know, he started learning a lot more and he would, I mean, basically I would learn 
from him over the phone while I was in the Marine Corps. I, I mean, he was probably the best friend that I had throughout, you know, in high school, he's a really good friend. And then through the Marine Corps, he was probably the best friend that I had talked to, you know, one of the guys that talked to me the entire time, uh, you know, for those guys that have been, you know, in the military or whatever, um, you, I mean, you're still friends with these people, but you don't talk to them while you're, you know, doing that stuff. But Curtis was one of those guys that, you know, all the time checking in, telling me about shed hunting or scouting or these pieces when he killed, uh, that big buck in the marsh, um, Ocho, um, uh, at, you know, that big, uh, big giant eight pointer. Um, that was probably, I remember the day that he shot that and I was standing in the barracks, just like jumping for joy, shouting out over the balcony and stuff. And everybody's like, what the hell's going on, dude? I'm like, it's November 9th, man. <laughs> big bucks are getting killed. So, but yeah. And then I would take leave from the Marine Corps specifically to hunt with Curtis and film. And, uh, when I would take leave, we would hunt the Hills and then, you know, so started learning about that. Um, always kind of hunted the marshes cause that's where, what, what's around here, you know, where, where I'm from anyways, within like an hour distance, it's mostly marsh, you know, to get to the Hills, I got to go about two and a half hours or so, two hours. If you, you know, two to three and a half hours, I guess is probably the, the distance that I would travel in Wisconsin to hunt the Hills. But, but yeah, and then since I got out of the Marine Corps, then it's been pretty hardcore since then. We just, uh, I mean, Curtis has always been probably the most hardcore bow hunting guy that I, I know for sure. I mean, and I mean, I, I know a lot of bow hunting guys, so, and I watch a lot of YouTube videos and I, I see what's going on with everybody. Curtis don't, doesn't watch any of that stuff. He doesn't listen to nothing. He don't, you just really he don't care. So, and, and that's what I mean. He's probably about as hardcore as it gets as far as public land bow hunting goes. So from like it's inspiring. So from, from that like side of it, like it, it, it sounds like you're like me and I say that in like the nicest way possible that like, it doesn't sound like you were very successful. Yeah. <laughs> like you didn't say like, Oh yeah. Yeah. So mm -hmm. like, how did you like, what was the first deer that you killed with your bow? Like how old were you and like, what, what's that success um, story? Well, so I started hunting with my dad up North when I was 11 years old and I didn't kill, uh, my first deer. So that, and that, that was gun when I was 12 years old, that was gun hunting. And I didn't kill a deer. The first deer I ever killed with my bow was with my bow. And it was a probably 130 inch nine pointer on December 27th at 12, uh, 30 in the afternoon, it was like 27 below. And my dad's like, you're nuts. You ain't going to make it till four 30. Why are you going out there at, at 12, 12 in the afternoon? And then I, uh, I got up in this tree stand that he had set up for me. And, uh, I called him like, cause I went, I got up and I went to draw my bowl back, you know, like I normally do just, uh, draw it back and get it situated in the tree and get, get the feel for drawing back in the stand and it won't draw back. And back then they had the, um, the, the, the cable crossing had was on that little slide 
that was on the the brace and it was froze up but i didn't i mean i was you know 16 years old i had i didn't know what the hell was going on so i drew drew my bow back and i and i couldn't get it to go back and i called my dad and i'm like dad i can't get my bow to draw back and he's like well just sit there and see what comes in anyway i'm like all right and then I, I kind of was like messing with it. I figured out what might be the problem. And I, I was breathing on that little piece a little bit and I got it to slide back and forth. And all of a sudden I look up and here's this big nine pointer at like 20 yards <laughs> standing in front of me, kind of like the one right in between, between you two guys right there. Um, I drew my bow back and I put a perfect double long shot on him and I called my dad back and I was like, dad, I just killed a monster. And he's like, what are you talking about? I thought your bowl was froze up. You can't, or it wasn't drawn back. I'm like, I got fixed it. Get over here. Help me get him out of here. So yeah, that I was 16 years old when I killed my first deer. And then after that, pretty much back downhill again. You know. <laughs> so like, uh, how, what, what kept you going or like, how did you like, what was your progress of like learning? Cause I think for, for like a lot of the guys and especially the guys that are like our Patreons, like, you know, they're shooting a bunch of deer here and there, some deer that you don't recover, you know, like th there's, a, there's a guy, um, and I want to get to this like later when we talk about like your Iowa hunt, but like he missed like the biggest buck of his life at eight yards the other morning. And he's like, you know, how do you like recover from that? He's, he's thinking it's target panic. He's thinking like, uh, all these things. So like, and I want to get into that, like, like I say later on, but like for you, like, how did, what was your progression of like learning and like sticking with it? Cause it's like, it's really hard for guys when you go out, if you're just starting out and you don't see any deer, you're going out there and you know, you're trying to do everything right. You're going out and it's raining you're like, Oh, the, guys say you got to go out in the rain like so now you're sitting out there just getting soaked like this sucks like you go out there and it's 27 yeah. below or whatever you're like this sucks like my even your dad's telling you like you're an idiot like you know <laughs> yeah. like well he says that a lot <laughs> <laughs> ain't the first time i've heard that one from him but no yeah i guess i would say probably i mean my dad was an inspiration because he was hunting the same stuff and he was killing stuff and then, you know, become friends with Curtis and he start, you know, he's filming and he's showing me bucks and he's seeing bucks. And, and then honestly, after that in high school, anyways, probably the biggest, the, the biggest motivation, motivational thing that there was, was probably all the guys that had their family's private land and they were always killing bucks. And it's like, well. I'm out, uh, you know, I can find the sign. I see the sign. I can find the sign. I mean, I see buck rubs. I see, I find scrapes. I see big tracks, you know, I see people sign, you know, just start learning that stuff and putting it all together. And then all these other people are killing bucks and especially the private land guys. Then I'm like, well, there's gotta be a way to do it. My dad's doing it. You know, he's doing it. He's killing bucks. So, you know, there's gotta be a way. And then just through years and years of not really doing any good. I mean, I guess that's, that's the progression. I just, I just had this determination through, you know, two guys, my dad and Curtis, and then the motivation from all the private land guys that were killing bucks. It's like, well, there's gotta be a way. And then, so let's figure it out. And 
know, I just, I guess you just don't want to lose, you know, you feel like you're losing, but, um, you just gotta try harder, I guess. I don't know. You just keep going and you know, got to figure it out. There's a way. And it's weird when you're, when you're in high school and you're a younger kid, you know, you don't understand all this stuff. And I didn't understand it. Like you think that you have to have private land to kill these big bucks and, you know, you don't even understand that you can move around. So, you know. Yeah. I think that's one of the things like for me, like when I started hunting with John and uncle Frank and all of these guys is like, like everything that you learn about on TV and it's probably like the same or like on YouTube or like listen to podcasts or whatever, probably like with your dad, it's like, that's what Frank was doing years and years ago, you know, just driving around looking for tracks, crossing the two tracks and go in, look at the sign, walking the edges, doing all this stuff. And, you know, as like you say, like as a high schooler, like a young guy, you're just like, oh my God, I'm so hungover. Like, why can't we just go back home? Like, oh, this is, you know, like we look at all these spots, but we never hunt anywhere. Like we only go hunt the same spots. And, you know, I grew up with like a gun hunting side of like, we had 240 acres in the UP by Wisconsin. So like rifle season, you went up there. You shot a doe, like maybe somebody would kill a buck, but like you just shot a deer. He'd like deer, deer, dead. Like it wasn't like exciting. Like it was just like you see them with a rifle, you just shoot them, and then they're dead. And then you got a deer, you got meat, everything's cool. And like it was always yep. neat to see guys killing big bucks or whatever, but that was never, ever like the conversation, you know? So then I start to hunt with these guys and. And it was like you said, like you hunt the spot, like you hunt, like you don't realize you can move around. Then you go out on these big pieces of public and it's like, you can hunt wherever you want to. Like, you don't have to keep going yeah. to the same tree anymore, you know? And I yep. think that's, that's huge. Like, so what is like, it looks like from a lot of your, your guys' um, I don't even want to call them videos or like films, like they're, the, there's been a progression, but they're like super high level now. Um, a lot of the hills. So like, when did you start hunting the hills? And like, what, what, I guess, what would you tell guys like it, when they're first encountering like bigger hill terrain like that? Um, I guess I, and I thought about this a little bit before, before getting on here with you guys, but, um, I just want to say I am no expert, uh, master of the hills i i enjoy the hills i i i i feel like i'm fairly knowledgeable about the hills but you know there there are guys that uh do you know have been doing this stuff a lot longer than me so i don't want to try and act like uh you know i i've got it all figured out because i don't um but i started hunting the hills my last year in the marine corps curtis had um got some information from you know a guy that you know, motivated him or inspired him. And, and, and then he just went down there and started doing that. And then my last year in the Marine Corps, he was talking to me about it. And he's like, dude, you got to come down here with me. You got to, once you get out, we're going to be down here. And I'm like, all right. And then, so we started going down there and just learning that kind of stuff and seeing what happens. And it's come a long ways in the last five years since I've been on Marine Corps for sure. I mean, I remember doing some pretty goofy stuff right away, 
um, and, and just trying to learn uh, that kind of terrain because it's definitely different than what's around here. It's farm country and marsh country. What'd you do, River? Oh, man. Ground tuning. Good thing I don't, it's a good thing I don't have any boat tags left. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, so, I mean, it's, it's come a long way for, for, for the hills, I guess. I, I mean, just try, through trial and error is kind of how it, it went. But 2017 is probably the first year that I hunted the hills ever. And I got into some, my first sit in the hills, I think I saw 14 deer, 14 bucks. And one of them was probably 165 inches. It was wild. So, um, I guess like when you're looking at like, so now everything is, you know, Spartan Forge, base map, Onyx, like if you're looking at the hills, like from a, from a mapping standpoint, like what are the things that you look for that stands out to you? You're like, okay, we got to hunt that or we got to check that or that's, that's what we got to do. Uh, I mean, my first thing, and it's always been my thing is, uh, access, I guess is probably my first thing that I look for. Like what's the hardest, what's the hardest to get to? What's the furthest away from any parking lots? Where's there no roads? Like where, where are people not going to be? Cause I'll go there. I mean, me and Curtis will go there. I mean, it don't matter where it is or how, how to get there and get there. Um, but I want to get away from people is probably my first, um, thing in minnesota that was tough i was kind of tough i was got a lot of access points to different public land chunks wisconsin's pretty good about that i mean wisconsin's got you know a lot of the bigger chunks maybe only have one or two different parking lots at on them and you can you can get in there a ways and get away from some people um but then you know as far as topography goes I mean, i'm looking for pinches for sure that's probably my my number one thing. And then I look at what's on top, you know, um, you know, so I, I look for the pinch tight pinches. And then I look at what's on the, on the points by those pinches. Does it look, you know, you know, me and Curtis and Dakin guy from Iowa call it woolly. Does it look woolly? Does it look thick and nasty up there? Does it look like there's going to be deer bedding up there? If, and, and this is all stuff that I'd like to, you know, go in on in the springtime and, figure out you know last year i just a couple years ago i started my business so i didn't get a lot of time this last spring to kind of do that stuff but you know if i'm going in somewhere which i do a lot without any ground scouting i just map scout it that would be what i'm looking for i'm looking for you know different types of uh vegetation up top i like crp fields if you watch the iowa video i mean I was up in some big bucks on next to some CRP fields. And every time I'm around a CRP field, I feel pretty confident about that. I, I think the does like to bed there or around it and the bucks are going to be there. Um, but yeah, big giant pinches and steep, steep, steep hills. So like when you're looking at a topo map in these hills, um, what are you, uh, when you're looking at the map and the topography, like what is your like definition of a pinch there? I mean, like, so a lot of times, like I'll think of it as like, you know, some sort of like waterway and then an open CRP field and then like uh woods come together. Right. And that could be 
anywhere, flat or marsh or whatever. But in the hills, you're probably not going to have water up top or, you know what I mean? So what does it look like to you on a map? Like what, what's your textbook pinch in the hills? For me, it's something so steep that the deer aren't going to cross there. I mean, it's so steep and I got to basically climb up a drainage of some sort or, you know, if I was map scouting, that's what I looked for, you know, something super steep, but somewhere where I can get up in. Cause then, you know, I crawl up this drainage and then it levels out. Usually it's in between two big points on, on the side of you, you know, which typically with the right wind, deer are going to bed on those points, looking down the ridge with the wind hitting them in the back of the head. And, but there's a crossing up there somewhere, you know, at the top. And usually in the hills, you know, the, the fields or, you know, CRP or whatever's up top there, the fields are always pretty much from what I've seen up top. Um, Minnesota, I mean, there's some fields on the bottom, but those are kind of irrelevant to me when I'm map scouting. Um, but so basically it, there's this, you know, anywhere from 60 to 20 yard pinch up top in between the field and between and, and where they can cross in between these two points. Otherwise the rest of it's so steep, you know, and that's where I shot my Iowa buck. It was so steep in there that, you know, it didn't look like it in the video. I was kind of disappointed about that watching the video, which I've watched a couple times now. Um, it's, it's steep. Like you, you couldn't, with that drainage that I was sitting on, you couldn't, you couldn't walk up the sides of it until where I got to my tree, you know, and I like that kind of stuff for me anyways. And, and, you know, guys hunt the bottoms. I would personally, I probably would never hunt the bottom unless I have, um, the perfect wind scenario either dead calm and I'm hunting scrapes on the bottom or I'm in, you know, being in a scout sniper platoon in the Marine Corps, you learn a lot about, you know, uh, wind, especially going to, you know, mountain scout sniper school and stuff like that. You learn a lot about how the wind travels through the terrain and stuff like that. If I have a big giant Valley, you know, and the wind's going to follow that, then maybe I would, if I had a plan for it, you know, like a thermal, hub or whatever the guys call it these days but where all the sign is if i could get to it and i knew my wind was going to be traveling one way from there i i might set up there but i've set up on the bottom maybe three or four times in the last five years just because i don't know what's going to happen with the wind and it's almost impossible to tell so. and so it sounds like with your um, I guess with your access and you're saying that you're, you're climbing. So you're, you're walking in to the predominant wind and then you're climbing up. So you're, you're accessing from the bottom then with the wind in I your face coming up over the top. I, I'd like to, yeah. I mean, I prefer to, but not every chunk of public, you know, allows for that. Um, but if, if I had the choice, I would access from the bottom and typically the fields are on the top. So it's, you know, if I'm going in in the morning, I, I don't want to walk through the field and, and blow out a bunch of deer. Um, anyways. So, 
It's I would like, prefer to access from the bottom. And you mentioned it like in the Iowa video, you're like, all right, we're up at two in the morning or whatever. Like how early are you getting into some of these spots? I mean, cause like in that Iowa video, like you, it's like you went in in the one afternoon and there was a buck bedded right where you were at basically. So, well, that, that was crazy. I mean, the Iowa stuff was crazy. Cause I went in there on October 22nd on that rain day when I first showed up in Iowa and I always wanted to look at that piece and I went down there and I got into that bottom and that bottom was destroyed. There, there wasn't a tree left. There wasn't uh, a licking branch that survived down in that bottom. Um, I've never seen anything like it. So I immediately was like, all right, I gotta go back. I gotta get in here and I gotta set up somewhere. And I picked the spot and I didn't know if it was CRP or what it was. I'd never been in there before, but I always wanted to go in there. Curtis and I had, didn't go in that piece in the springtime. Uh, we had come down a bunch and scouted a bunch of different chunks in the springtime, but never that one. We'd looked at it on the map and we're like, we should go in there, but we just didn't have time or whatever, you know, we didn't get to it. And, uh, yeah, I'm on my way in. It's in the video. I saw like a 140 inch deer on the side of the ridge. I thought I was going to get a shot at it. Um, but my release was in my pack, which now I don't do that anymore. I don't <laughs> put my release in my pack. That's that suckers in my pocket all the time. Um, but yeah, and then I did the same thing, crawled up the drainage. I, I think there's a little bit of footage of that. I mean, it's rocky, you know, and I've watched deer even on some of these drainages that aren't so steep but they have like a, you know, a two foot drop or something, these deer, you know, they, they kind of jump them or they kind of like commit to crossing the drainage. And even if my sense down in there, they'll just cross right over. It. But it doesn't seem to be that, that way. If I'm, you know, walking anywhere else, you know, they'll, they'll stop on that, that trail. Um, cause there was another time me and Curtis went up a, just a small little dip of a drainage. And we had probably 13, 14 different deer just kind of commit to crossing that little, little dip. And, and none of them stopped to even bat an eye at it, which is crazy to me. So, you know, just something that I learned that time. But yeah, that, that big buck that first day in Iowa, I think was bedded in that CRP field. But I had that right wind blowing out over that point. And, you know, I had anticipated things to be bedded up there. Um, and I guess we kind of just got right on that one, but that, that spot also was all, you know, pretty far, really far in there, like two and a half miles. Well, that's what was crazy. I was watching the video again, I, cause I've watched it a couple of times also. And it was like, it looked like you guys shot that deer like super early. And then here you are like in the dark, carrying it on your back. And I'm like, how freaking far was this damn thing? <laughs> like 15 yeah, miles it, in. <laughs> well, it was, it was two and a half miles and. I didn't really let Curtis help me. We had gotten a deer cart from the the guy, the farmer Daryl that we were let us stay on his uh, on his property and and we put it on the deer cart and within the first hundred yards we bent the bent the shit out of the rim. It was just the tire. It was just junk. So I I would rather have carried the deer like I did the whole way than be Curtis with the camera and pulling the the wobbly wobbly ass deer cart that 
you know, he had to drag that thing over logs. It wasn't rolling. It was just looked miserable. So I was, I was kind of thankful to be carrying the deer, but, uh, I mean, with all this camera stuff too, I mean, we probably could have cut it up, but I mean, we're not out West hunters and I'm not, I knew I obviously I was going to mount that deer. I'm not, uh, I'm not an expert on, uh, you know, quartering out deer in the field, I guess. I mean, I should watch a few more YouTube videos to pack them out, but, um, I just regret, just carry the whole thing. And then something to me is just want to get the whole deer out sometimes too. You know, I just, I want the whole deer out and get that in my head. And I want the whole deer out, but we also have to take all this camera crap back at the same time. Can't do I mean, the pack's probably 70 pounds that we carry around every time. It's miserable. So it's like, we got to get that stuff back. So we had to hike that stuff out and then hike back in, take pictures, do some more interviews, do some more filming stuff and then drag it out. And yeah, by that time, was, I think we got that thing out at like 930 at night, 10 o'clock. We shot at 830 in the morning. Yeah. I was like, Jesus Christ. Like. Cause I was like, how much of this is like for the camera? Like he's cutting it up. Like, oh, cause I, Curtis had something like that on his YouTube, like, or on his uh, Instagram where he was like carrying that dough out on his shoulders. And I'm like, these guys are always in the gym. They're just like bros. Like we got to carry <laughs> yeah, these. I don't know carry. about that. <laughs> no, we, we both been slacking pretty hard on the gym this year, but I mean, my first year, first couple of years out of the Marine Corps, that stuff was a little bit easier. I'm put get, coming up on 30 here pretty quick. So <laughs> it ain't happening for me. Like my one this year, I was my one in Minnesota. I just dragged it through the Creek. I was like straight to the Creek. It's pretty easy dragging them through the water. So I'm like, yeah, I'm just going to drag them all the way as far as I can down the Creek close where it meets close to the road. And then I'll walk back, get the truck and drag them the rest of the way. So since we're like on the Iowa hunt there and, uh, through that video, like you missed twice in one day, like right off the get go, you, um, mentioned that you were a scout sniper in the Marines, like you're school trained, right? Yep. Yep. So that's like a big deal. Like when I was in the Marines, like there was, there was no Raiders. So like. First recon and snipers were kind of like the, the high, you know, the special forces kind of of the, the Marine Corps. Like the, there were, there were no Raiders. So like when I hear yeah. like, you know, sniper, like school, tra- like, you know, graduated sniper school, like you're a guy that knows more about like camouflage. Like you're like, can you talk like a little bit about like how you have to graduate from sniper school? Like the, the, the camouflage, like taking the shots and stuff and not oh, being seen. And stalking. then, yeah. And, and he's yeah. out there in a freaking flannel shirt, you know, killing these deer. Like, Looking I, like Dan Info. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, uh, I guess there's a few points for that for me. I mean, scout sniper school is, is no joke. I mean, it's, a, it, I mean, you do hundreds of stocks, but you get 10 graded on 10. Um, and you needed a, uh, I believe it's a 80% to pass. Um, but, but I mean, there's a lot of rules and stuff that go into the stalking lanes in Scout Cyber School. Um, but yeah, I, 
but to me, this, this, when it comes to deer hunting, I mean, I'm not, you know, Zach Farnborough or nothing. I'm not on the ground. I'm not stuck. That might be a little bit different story if I'm talking about stalking up on deer on the ground, but I'm in a tree and all the, all the leaves are orange and red, <laughs> but you know, if a deer looks up at me in October, all the leaves are orange and red. So, I mean, and they're colorblind. So, I mean, what difference does it make? That that's kind of my take on it. But at the same time, I'm just so tired of hearing about all the different camouflage and, you know, people pushing these different brands of camouflage and stuff around. And that's never who, you know, I've been and never really what's mattered. You know, I, it's just not something that concerns me. So part of me probably is just kind of doing that, you know, because we're filming the stuff and, you know, I don't want people to think watching our videos at least that they need to pay a ton of money for a bunch of camouflage and stuff because i mean you can shoot them in a flannel <laughs> just gotta be warm i guess right yeah but i mean the double miss as far as skull sniper stuff goes that that's pretty heartbreaking i hope none of my sniper school instructors or anything like that watch this video and they're like what's this guy he can't shoot a can shoot a rifle but he can't shoot a bone arrow but well i mean well and that's kind of like what i wanted to go you know like the the mental thing is like that's got to be tough on it's tough on anybody like when you miss and then you miss again and we kind of talked about it like you know the difference between like making that next shot and not being already in your head saying don't mess this up don't mess this up or just being like totally relaxed and like this deer's gonna die. Like that's what I'm here for, you know. Yep. Um, like, how do you uh, rebound from that? Like, I don't know. I think you know the 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 film, the film didn't really do uh, maybe those misses. I guess justice because I probably didn't film everything that I should have filmed. Um, but initially, you know, I, when I saw, when I missed the first one, I, I was set up late. I got up in there late. It was getting light out. That first buck busted me. So I was, I wasn't even had set up for that one yet. So that busted me. And then I'm like trying to get set up and stuff. Um, and now I don't do this either. I don't leave my range finder in my pack either. <laughs> and, you know. So that's always in my tree harness, which I put on before I climb the tree. Obviously I keep my tree harness has pockets on it. So I keep my, my bow hook and my range finder in there. So when I get up to the top of the tree, my range finder, and my bow hook are right in there. Um, but I didn't do that. And it's just like things you work out over time, I guess. But after that first buck busted me at like 20 yards, I mean, I could have shot, I could have killed that buck, but he, he, he did end up busting me. I was still trying to get set up, get all this camera crap set up. And all of a sudden I look out in the CRP field and that, that buck was staring at me right at me. And he's eye level with me because he's at the top of the CRP field and he's like this. And I had my arm out like this on the camera arm, trying to pull the camera to me. And when I looked up and I saw, so I had to, I, I held my camera arm like this and stared at him for, you know, what felt like five minutes. So I was freaking out. I'm like, he knows he's like looking into my soul, man. He knows right where I'm at. So, 
you know, but then there were some other deer in the draw on the opposite side of the CRP field. So, which I didn't really realize at that time, but he was focused on them when I shot at him. And I had all day at that point, probably I could have reached in my pack and got my range finder and got everything set up. I thought the thing was at like 48 yards, which, you know, I was pretty comfortable shooting at. I got ripped apart on YouTube a little bit for taking that shot because you can't see the vitals and stuff, but the camera is about two feet lower than, you know, me when I'm standing up too. I usually set the camera up so that when I'm sitting, I can film stuff. And when I'm standing, it's about waist height, you know? So, I mean, I could see probably the top of the lungs, but I wasn't, I was also not afraid to shoot through a little bit of CRP grass at the same time. Um, but I set the pin for 45 yards and I aimed at the back strap and the deer was at 38 yards. So basically I just want launch the sucker right over his back. And then, but that was just poor, you know, uh, execution of everything at all together. You know, I play it back and I'm like, well, should have done a lot of stuff differently there. Um, and then that second one, (laughs) I wasn't, I wasn't ready for that. You know, self filming's hard, especially with a DSLR, you know, I'm, I'm, it's all manual focus and stuff like that. I had that guy behind me and got low and that guy did text me cause I got his number and stuff and he didn't like being called a dingus and I apologize for that <laughs> and whatnot. Uh, but the local guys from Iowa, they rattle and grunt like every five minutes. I don't know if you guys do that or not, but you know, I'm not like that. I I'm not blind calling at deer ever really, because when I do see deer and I call at them, pretty much every time they run away from me. So it's like, why would I be calling when I don't see deer? You know, none none of them are going to come over here. So I don't call at them unless it's like, I feel like it's, it's a good chance. I have a good chance at them, but this guy's back there rattling and grunting and growling and doing everything, throwing the whole book at him. And so I wasn't really watching over there and I'm filming some does and all of a sudden I hear a bunch of, you know, leaves crunching and that one was just straight rushed and he was moving i stopped him perfectly i thought i had him ranged perfectly you know i had already ranged that spot earlier in the day and that one i took hair off his back that one was a little bit closer (laughs) but yeah and then you're totally destroyed like you want to pack up and leave iowa for sure i definitely did i was like dude i don't deserve to be out here and but I mean, it's the same thing with my Minnesota buck. I mean, that's another story too, but it's like, it's deer hunting, dude. If, if you can't get over it, then, then you should probably go home because it's just deer hunting, man. It's not. And I didn't know if Curtis was going to show both messes on the video or not. And honestly, I didn't really give a shit. I mean, show them both, whatever. <laughs> um, I'll get, you know, people on YouTube, tear you apart. People on the internet, tear you apart. And, and it's just what it is, you know, but it's deer hunting and shit happens and you don't really have a choice. If you're going to be a deer hunter, you're going you to learn to live with it. <laughs> yeah. 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 Learn to live with it. You know? So, so now that you're like, you're saying that and it's, it's like, I'm like replaying the video and all that stuff in my head. Like, do you think that, you know, when you guys went back in there and when you ended up killing that buck, like, it happened so fast. You didn't even have time to think about those other shots. 
Yeah, part of it. I think so. Yeah. That deer come over the top of that ridge and I knew I told Curtis, like, if you're gonna sit on top that side of that tree, man, and you're like, because it's straight down. You know, we were lower than the tops. And there was a trail probably three yards from the tree, not even. And we had and and I got ripped apart on that shot too on the YouTube comments. I read all the stuff. Curtis sends them to me, my dad reads them all. I yeah, I see all the crap that people say. So it's like you didn't stop them, but I had a, me and Curtis walked two and a half miles in a bunch of rubber boots that are sitting down at the bottom of the tree. I didn't want it, you know, a three and a half, four and a half year old deer to hit the, that bottom of the tree two yards away from, you know, my sticks and our stinky, sweaty boots down there and just totally wheel out of there. And so I was like, well, the, and plus it, you know, it's three yards away coming straight down and it was close. You know, it felt like it felt like it was 10, 10 yards in front of you. Like you could reach down and touch them almost because the hill was so straight down like that, you know? And I had the pin on them perfect and I just took what shot I had. So, and some guy said on the YouTube comments that I hit the artery along the spine and that's why I shouldn't aim for that. And I was like, well, I wasn't aiming for that. Man. I was putting an arrow in the vitals and the arrow, the broadhead actually went through the top of the heart and out, straight out the bottom. He tipped over in like 25 yards. We'll say, uh, he didn't go well, far. I mean, shit. Yeah. He barely had enough time to get the camera and focus on him. Yeah, I know. It was fast. It was pretty cool. Um, but yeah, that, that happened super fast. Didn't really have time to get nervous. Self-filming is different, I think, too. You know, that was the first day that Curtis filmed me in Iowa. That was the day we decided. And just by some miracle, it worked out that way, you know. Um, yeah, I, I told Curtis, I was like, I don't think I could self-film me killing a deer in this spot. Like, I think it'd be impossible for me to get it on film and kill him. And I, I was probably right. Yeah, so that one. Well, I'll film you tomorrow. That one would have been really tough. I mean, coming in that quick. Yeah. I, I love mean, the we, part where only, you uh, were putting the chew in. <laughs> when he was like, you're like, I had to pinch my, I had to throw it in real quick. We're not big sponsor guys, but I'm still trying to, I, I would take Grizzly or Kodiak or Copenhagen, any one of them really for <laughs> a sponsor. But, uh, but every big buck that I've ever killed, I've been chewing tobacco. So, so, you know, for all of your guys' like approach and like, it was really big, like in the video, like when you were doing like your, uh, the interviews and all that stuff when you're saying like, you know, I didn't want him to get, when you pick that tree, like coming in the first day, like you didn't want to cross that trail. So you got up that wonky tree or whatever you call it. And then, you know, then you went back there, like how, um, I guess were you just, cause those, the trail camera had to been down in that bottom somewhere, like up the drainage. Right. So, like, where are you at with like, because you guys do it, it looks like in some of the other videos too, like with multiple day sits in the same stand, like how do you, what are your concerns about like wind or, you know, or just blow, dirtying up the place? Yeah. Blowing out an area like multiple days in a row. I sat that same area, but different sides of the ridge. So I was on the same CRP field in that video a couple of times, but I was on the deer too. So. If I wasn't seeing the big bucks, I would have moved to a different area. 
for sure. Um, and that's what I did the day that I went down and checked that camera. I was Curtis was soft, like 54 deer that day. And I didn't see, I saw like two does and I had already been seeing all the big bucks up there. So I was like, well, they ain't, they're moving. Dude. So I got to get out of here and I got to go try something new. Um, so I packed up and went down and checked that camera that I hung the first day. And I had, uh, four, five different bucks over one forties, one fifties, one of them, probably like one seventies on there. Um, I was like, well, geez, man, they're back here somewhere. So I moved up that drainage, which was my plan, get close to the food. But then I hit that crossing, big giant crossing, so steep. And then three different points came down and big giant cross. Couldn't, uh, couldn't, I was like, I got to sit this a little bit, let my thermals pull down at nighttime. And I had the right wind for it. So I was like, well, my thermal, my, my scent's going to just float down this draw. And um, I was set up in this big giant tree overhanging, leaning over. I was set up in there and sit this crossing. And that buck was bedded on the side of that point. Um, and then I had the same wind for the next day. So I was like, well, I'm going to sit this all day tomorrow. Cause I think it's going to be better for a morning sit anyways, cause there's fields up top. They are going to be coming in, uh, from the fields coming back to bed on these points. And I'm, I, I want to be, you know, I want to be here in the morning once and just see what happens. And sure enough, he come through there, cross there in the morning, the next morning. So, so one of the things like that was, would you consider that? Cause I don't was that was that on Halloween that you killed that buck or. Yep. 830 in the morning, Halloween. So w- would you consider that like pre rut Were they rutting and does your strategy like in the Hills change? Like when they're chasing or anything like that, or is that the, would you want to be in that same spot? Do I think those deer were rutting at that time or pre rut, pre rut slash rut stuff? No, I don't think they were. I didn't, I hadn't seen any chasing at all. Um, but back there where that camera was, was destroyed with scrapes. Um, and in the years prior to that, Curtis and I had always had giant bucks hitting scrapes on Halloween midday. So, you know, the closer I could get to a pile of scrapes was better. Uh, but like I said, I don't like sitting down on the bottom because I have no idea, you know, what's going to go on with my wind. Even if I had the right wind, but if the wind dies down for a little bit during the day, at some point, um, it's going to roll around in there. My scent's going to roll around. So I always kind of like to be up, up top if I can. Um, that way I know my scent, you know, I get the wind coming, the actual wind coming over the top. So it takes my scent the same direction. So if it was the rut, like, so let's say that the deer are chasing and all of that, like, do you want to be in that same spot? As far as like uh, on top of the, you know, finding that crossing at the, the head of the drainage, or like, you know, between the two points, or does it change like where you'd want to be in the hills? I think strategically in, in that specific spot, um, I think that would be a pretty decent rut spot. I mean, I was in between two or three big, big betting points, which I, w- I could assume that there was does on. And Curtis, we did film some does in there. Um, I did jump some does on the bottom that does do like to bet on the bottom. Um, I mean, I jumped a big buck down there too. 
Um, but I think that that's pretty good. Those pinches like that, or those big drainage crossings like that in between, you know, you know, that's where I'd want to be in an actual rut spot too. I, I would think in between two big points where does would bed, especially a crossing like that, that you can clearly see. I mean, Iowa is a different, it's a different, different game, I guess, in Iowa, because I mean, this trail was three and a half feet wide. I mean, I've never seen deer, deer trails like it. <laughs> Cattle path. Yeah. So it is like they say, like Iowa's like worth the five, five years of points or whatever. I mean, I think the deer density in Iowa is awesome for sure. And I, I mean, I, after that, I, I will never miss, uh, a, a year in Iowa for sure. I'll never not buy a point ever again. And I won't let my dad or any of my good close buddies ever miss it either. But, uh, um, but yeah, I still think it's, it's tough. I mean, it's still tough on public land, no matter what. I mean, you gotta be in there. I mean, it took me, um, eight days or nine days to shoot that one. I'm, so I got there on October 22nd. I missed those two bucks on October 27th. And then I shot mine on Halloween. Curtis was not having the same experience as me. And I tried to get him in here and, you know, he passed a couple good bucks on the film, probably bucks that I would have shot. You know, I'm not as picky as Curtis by any means. I like to shoot deer. So, I mean, I probably would have shot a couple of those deer you let walk by, especially if they're at 20 yards. Um, but, uh, took Curtis 24 days to shoot his deer in Iowa, our first year down there. Um, but we did hit some warm weather that it got to up to 70 and, you know, it'll come out in the next video, which I know at the beginning of the podcast, we said that behind the bow puts one video out maybe every two years, but, uh, I think it's going to get a little bit better for, as far as that goes for behind the bow. Cause we've got about six different videos that we're trying to get rounded up here. So what's the, the future for behind the bow? Like, like I said, a year on there pimping the hats and everything. And I actually went online. I was going to buy a hat and it says like coming soon. So I was like, well, I don't know what that means. Like, I know they're already shipping. Yeah. Like what the hell? Well, <laughs> you know, <laughs> we're pretty, we're pretty uh, low key guys. So we, I mean, we bought 75 hats, you know, I didn't know who would want a hat or who wouldn't want a hat. Um, and you know, we're not, we don't have people working for us and by, <laughs> I, I tell Curtis this all the time. Like we can just tell people like, Hey dude, I'm sorry, but I'm not sending you out hats or in the middle of the rut. So like the order hat, you're going to have to wait till I'm done deer hunting to get the hat. But, you know, if we get people ordering hats, it's kind of hard to do that. You want to get them out, you know, as fast as you can. So we just sort of like, well, we'll do this little batch of hats. And then if they sell out, they sell out. If they don't, they don't, whatever we'll send, you know, we'll take two days, we'll send them out quick and then we'll go back to deer hunting. But because it's just me and Curtis, I mean, and we, we, we got to be in the woods every single day when we can. So tough, but yeah, so they're sold out the, the camouflage ones anyway, sold out right away, but we'll get some more, uh, um, Curtis wants to get his next video, his Iowa buck out by 
Iowa gun season, December 1st is kind of the plan. Um, and then hopefully we can get some more out for Christmas time frame. If anybody else wants any more, we'll get some out. But behind the bow, I think uh, the future plans, I think we'll just keep trying our best to kill big bucks and film it. And I kind of cheaped out on cameras this year and I didn't like it. And I'm going to go back to carrying around the heavy stuff. I tried to lighten up the load a little bit this year and wasn't for me. So I'm going <laughs> to, I'm not very fond of the footage, I guess. So, cause I, I was thinking, you know, I'm getting old and fat, better, uh, get some lighter stuff, you know, I'll get this little baby fourth arrow camera arm and all the stuff you see people pushing out there to you. And the low light capabilities weren't really like, wasn't good for me. I didn't like it. So I'm going to switch back to the heavy stuff next year, which means I'm going to have to start working out again and getting back <laughs> into shape because ain't good. So one of the things John always gives me shit about, cause I killed an elk with a rifle and I missed a few deer with the rifle the other day, but you're talking about the other day. Yeah. Not the other day. Last year, last year, last year, <laughs> I shot an elk at 275 yards with a rifle. I'd never even held before after carrying around my bow for four days, come home on our own property and I missed a deer at 30 yards with a rifle, and then I missed a deer at 90 with a rifle. Just my rifle. Just absurd. Yeah. Um, you know. But Maybe you should go to sniper school. But he's like, he's like, you can't, uh, you know, we're a bow hunting podcast. You can't do this. And you're out there scouting for gun season. Like, how does that play in? Like, you're behind the bow. Oh, for gun season? Yeah, yeah. Well, gun season for me, Curtis he don't not he could care less about gun season and but for me gun season you know my grandpa passed away this this last year but my my dad and my grandpa i i'd go up north and and gun hunt and it's hard up there so you know it's a tradition for me i'll do it forever i, I won't uh miss it I, I refuse to miss it i mean i already missed six years while i was in the marine corps so I don't want to, I don't want to miss it anymore. Um, it's fun. It's hard up, up in the Northwoods, Wisconsin, the deer density is extremely low. Um, you know, and there's endless amounts of public land. I mean, millions of acres and it's hard. So the last few years, I mean, I, I shot a buck my first year out of the Marine Corps. I shot a buck in one of my dad's spots. And ever since then, I've been trying to find my own spot and I have not shot a deer with my bow. I let a spike go last year. Probably shouldn't have done that because it probably would have won the buck pool up there. Honestly, <laughs> um, I could have probably won a hundred bucks on that thing, but um, I let them go. But it's just it's getting more and more. It's so hard that I want to do it even more and more. Like I, I'm like I can find these rubs, I can find these big tracks, I find some scrapes. And I'm like, well, where the hell are they at, man? I mean, they're in, I can see their sign, but I can't shoot one. So it's like, I'll sit all nine days, you know, all day long. So from spots, move around from, from that perspective, like, have you looked into like the, I mean, with your skill set, right. Have you looked into like the big woods bucks, like the tracking 
like getting on a buck track like and that. then, you know, I try, I, I try that. I have done that a couple of times, but, um, if there's snow, you know, during gun season, I don't grab a muzzle loader or nothing and go out the second gun, you know, cause Wisconsin has a gun season and then the following week is a muzzle loader season. If you don't shoot one with your gun, you could, uh, use a muzzle loader the following week. Um, I've never done that just because I've had to work. Usually I can't take that much time off of work. Um, but I do like that. I do like cutting tracks and I do like following them. I do get intrigued by some of these guys putting videos about videos out of, about that kind of stuff. Um, I like to watch that and I kind of like to, you know, learn how they, how they do that. And I think I might get more into that up there for sure, because I mean, I've sat all nine days before not seeing anything. I'd rather walk around for nine days, honestly, and just Makes maybe stump, stumble into one or something, you know? Well, that, that dude, Hal Blood, up up in Maine, the Big Woods Bucks, he's a former Marine. And, like, when he got out of the Marines, that's what he did is he went up to the this giant tracks of land yeah. and then he gets on Tracks fresh tracks. And, down. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. the deer that's density awesome. is so low. That's that's what they do. Yeah. So I mean that that sounds like you know you got the you got the land like you just need the snow, and it'd be yep. Be one. Of I those like things. that. It's, it's supposed to get a good good amount of snow um, Wednesday Thursday I think up there so it might but I found some good stuff this last weekend I walk, I, I put on I, I think I might walk twenty miles or so up there and I got a couple of good plans but. It's just trying to beat my dad, you know, got to shoot a bigger buck than him. <laughs> so uh, when you go up there, do you, um, still do all the filming and everything? Or you say, this is just, this, this hunt's for me. Um, last year I didn't, I have filmed my dad because my dad kills bucks up there. So I filmed him a few times. I just sit with him and film him because, you know, gun hunting to me is not really about killing deer. I mean, I don't, you know, I could come down here probably or go down in southern wisconsin somewhere and probably you know do a little bit better um but i like to go up there with him and you know in the years past my grandpa and stuff like that and i just like it i just like the cabin i like the 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 people and the and the the conversations and the beer drinking and and that kind of stuff it's it's just what i like and I do want to make a video on it. I think I'm going to do, well, when me and Curtis had that stuff, I kind of really didn't give a shit about filming stuff that much anymore. Um, and then, you know, with the bury the hatchet videos, I'm like, all right, dude, let's get, let's get it going. It, to me now, if I'm not filming it, I mean, I don't even want to be really be out there. It's not worth hunting if I'm not filming it. It does, doesn't even seem right anymore. So, um, I, I'm, I'm going to make a couple gun hunting videos, whether or not Curtis wants <laughs> to be on the behind the bow channel. I don't know, but we'll see behind the bullet. <laughs> yeah. We have some orange behind the bull hats and people bought them. So, I mean, what the hell? Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so for the, on the filming aspect of it, like what, uh, tips do you have for guys that are trying to do the self-filming thing like is there anything that you've like learned or like the 
or like just like straight up it's hard it sucks and you understand it's going to be difficult <laughs> i mean i'm, I'm going to post something on my instagram pretty soon but the day before i shot my minnesota buck i had what i think is a booner had it been 21 22 inches wide 10 pointer probably one of the biggest bucks that i've ever seen in the tree stand at 35 yards and if i wasn't self-filming uh i think i would have killed him for sure i drew back on him if i would have got five more seconds i probably still would have killed him self-filming um but tips for for self-filming i mean it depends what you're trying to do i mean curtis is the freaking nature with all this stuff and so don't like look at what curtis does and think that uh, everybody can do that because certainly i don't think everybody's cut out for that i mean he's filming with some very heavy cameras with you know some big lenses and stuff that you know maybe he's not even affordable to your average guy you know but curtis runs a business that you know he films stuff to for his livelihood too you know so he has invested a lot of money but we invested a lot of money before that into this stuff um but if you if you're just trying to film your hunts to show your grandpa or your dad or or whatnot i mean there's a lot of good video cameras out there like i just bought a panasonic camera this year um i like to see 4k at least you know dan infault no offense Dan Infault's a legend for sure, but his video <laughs> videos are, I mean, <laughs> they're down there a little bit. Um, the The quality of the actual videos poor. The content quality of the content is excellent for sure. Um, so you know, it's just deciding on what you want to do as far as as far as that goes. Do you want to make you know HD 4K quality films or do you just want to show people what you're what you're what you're seeing and what you're doing i mean i think i mean honestly i think dan info should probably just get an iphone and use that because i mean iphones do great (laughs) great stuff these days but yeah i bought the panasonic um shoots 4k 60 frames per second 60 frames per second allows you to be able to slow it down a little bit if you want to do you know slow a little bit of slow motion keeps the audio um so i'd like to if i were to buy anything i would make sure at least it has 4k the capability of 4k 60 frames per second but typically you're going to shoot in 4k you know 25 or 30 frames per second depending on kind of what what kind of look you want different uh motion blur between 24 frames per second and 30 frames per second really any motion blur at all it it doesn't like look what your natural eye sees you know it looks a little goofy so i mean filming's cool i mean i like it but it's hard yeah for sure and it's cost me a couple big bucks that's for sure too but that's okay that's okay i i and I don't want this to come off like the wrong way, but like the way that you guys do your videos, like I loved like to see all of your like failures, <laughs> like, like the myth. Oh, there's of, a lot of those. And like the, like falling in the Creek and like, like I just seeing like the quality of like what you guys do, like with the cameras and everything like that. Like when you're like, I think I got water in this lens. Like it made me want to puke. Cause I'm like, 
that's expensive. That's an expensive like mistake. And you're like, I dropped my interview camera like from the tree or like like. That oh was my the same God. day. Yeah. <laughs> so like, Man. when everybody's because like you know John and I have filmed self filmed and it's just like, it's a lot of freaking work and it's extra stuff to like set up. So like, what is your like mobile hunting setup? Like, what are you carrying for like stick stand like that sort of thing? Yeah, I figured we'd get into that a little bit. I do have a saddle. Um, I have a beast stand and I have a lone wolf, um, assault, a regular lone wolf. I don't have any custom gear stuff, even though I think I probably like a custom gear just to see what it's all about. Um, I had seen them at one of the like deer fest. I think it was, I saw, I saw a, a lone wolf custom gear stand. It was pretty cool. Um, I like the, I like this, the compactness of it, I guess, but yeah, I, I tried self-filming out of the saddle in Iowa. I like the saddle. I do. I like sitting in it. I don't like shooting out of it and I don't like filming out of it. I like, I like carrying it and I like sitting in it, <laughs> but, uh, um, I like my B stand. My B stand's awesome. You know, it's not perfect. None of these tree stands and none of these saddles, I don't think are perfect. And I don't think you'll ever get something that's perfect. Um, but my B stands light. I just bought some tethered, those tethered one sticks this year. Um, I like them, you know, and this is where, you know, this is where behind the bull is probably going to fail someday because I'm pretty critical about this kind of stuff. And never are we going to be, you know, like if we don't like some, I'm not going to tell people I like some if I don't like it. And Curtis definitely won't either. Um, I like the light. The, the tethered sticks are nice. They're light. I don't really like grabbing onto them. They got like a weird um, bracket on the back. Kind of gets in the way of my, my fingers when I try to climb up and grab. Um, and I don't like them if I'm going high in the tree because if – they work really nice on straight trees. They work really good on soft trees, but it seems like if I'm in like a hard oak tree or something like that, or something with, you know, it seems kind of dangerous with that rope, uh, and, and the boat, boat cleat type, you know, like the stick could kick off the tree or something up high. So I use my B sticks up high. If I'm going higher, I only have three tethered sticks. I always carry one B stick at least sometimes two. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't put them high just because I don't feel safe on them. Uh, I don't, the B sticks cinch down. They got a nice cleat on them. They're really, they're really, uh, cinched down really tight to the tree, which I like. They feel, you know, I mean, you could yank that thing as hard as you could and it's not gonna, you know, waver on the tree whatsoever. So, but the B stuff is light, man. It's quality. It's good. I like, I like the B stuff. All of it's. Oh, it's nice. Uh, I like those tethered sticks. I do like them. If you're only going three sticks high or whatever, uh, I'd definitely get those tethered sticks. Super light, super cool. Um, but yeah, and then as far as camera equipment goes, this year I was running the for an interview camera. We always have an interview camera, and then a shot cam or a you know your your main camera. I use the Panasonic this year. I'm gonna switch back probably probably to uh canon 
R5, what Curtis runs, the um, DSLR. But this year I ran the Panasonic and the Canon M50 and then used the GoPro for very minimal stuff. Don't like to use the GoPro. And mostly all this stuff comes down to when Kurt, let Kurt do all the editing, man, because that's where he goes. That's his thing. And he's exceptional at it for sure. Um, and when he says he doesn't like to edit this shit, he, you know, we got to get him something better, I guess. <laughs> so, you know, if he puts it in the, the editing program and he don't like it, then we got to switch it up a little bit. So, but Minnesota buck was filmed on the Panasonic this year. And that film isn't out yet. No. So what's the, you That's said, good one. you said that was in the, in the swamp or in a, in a marsh. I killed a deer, uh, in Wisconsin in the marsh. Yeah. A two year old 10 pointer. Um, by Minnesota buck was in the hills, but that was on the bottom. So, which I've been saying that I don't hunt the bottom, but I killed that thing on the bottom. But it was goofy, man. All the deer busted me. They were all busting me. And I had a, a hole about the size of a basketball to shoot through, and all the deer were stomping. There was a fawn. I was a stick off the ground. There was a fawn probably five yards from me. And there's a big doe out there, too. And the big doe started blowing. The buck was, uh, you know, a couple yards away from my tiny little hole that I had to shoot through. I'm going to get tore up on, or on YouTube for that, for that one, for sure. <laughs> I'm looking, lo- looking forward to that because of the camera, a- camera angles through sticks galore. So, um, I drew back the fawn busted out. The buck was stomping. You can see him. He stomped both feet right in a row, took two more stomps right into the little tiny hole that I had. He ducked my arrow hard and it's probably some, you know, I felt bad about it at first only because I was filming it, but he ducked the arrow probably a good six, eight inches. He ducked and he was quartering away so hard. He ducked and the arrow hit him right where the, the, the neck meets the, the shoulders hit him right in the spine, took him off all four feet and just rolled him forward. Then, I mean, I've never seen anything like it just flipped him. It's crazy, but I'm sure I'm going to get wrecked on YouTube for that one. <laughs> so what, jumped out of the, jumped out of the tree and had to shoot him again. Yeah. So what I noticed in the, the Iowa film, you were shooting a Matthews Halon. Are you still yep. shooting that? What's your boat? What, what boat? What boat are you shooting right now? I got a thing. Well, since I started making a little bit more money these days, I like to buy. I got a thing for buying uh, bows. It's kind of the only thing that I spend my money on, really. I gave that Halon to my dad, so my dad shoots that because he was still shooting some rickety old Matthews from a long time ago. And he's got a kind of a bump shoulder, so it's like he should shoot something a little bit smoother on the draw. Um, this I have a VXR back there, and I have a V3X. I shot a V3X this year. Or, yeah, V3X. Yeah. Nice. I'm a Matthews guy. I like the Matthews. I'll always shoot the Matthews. I've never shot anything else. So not that I have anything against any other bows, but I do. Matthews are made in Wisconsin. And they, I just like them. That's why I'm, I'm 
shooting a Matthews V3X this year myself. So when I, well, the one time he hunted, the one time I hunted, (laughs) (laughs) I look, I look forward to see what they, they come out with every year. I know, I think the details in them are small, you know, every year with what they're changing these days. I mean, like the V3X has that, uh, angled roller guard and then that tight quiver on it. But I think they're all good. I think, you know, like I got, if you ever watch some older behind the bull videos, Josh Ogilvy, the guy with the nasty mustache, that's usually how he's remembered that Iowa buck that he self films pretty good video. Um, he's always been a Matthews guy. He switched to Hoyt this last year. And he said that he told me, um, cause this year is the first year I shot an iron will shot a big bevel head. Um, which, and I built my own arrows this year, um, which I, I'd like to get more into that kind of stuff. But he said the Hoyt, you know, no tuning necessary. I mean, shot the, the iron wheels perfectly out of his bow. And he, he said he really liked the Hoyt. So if he says that he shoots a lot bigger bucks than I've ever shot. So, I mean, pretty good guy to listen to for sure. But still not enough to talk me out of shooting Matthews. Yeah. I would say it's, it's all, it's all relative who's shooting the bow. I mean, I've shot, I mean, I've got Hoyts, PSC, Matthews, Bowtech, Bowtech. And I'm just saying the ones that I I don't have any Bowtechs right now. I sold the one. Oh, you did? Yeah. But, you know, in, in the Hoyts, I mean, I go up and work at the bow shop, uh, once in a while, I'll go up and fill in, and it's like, I can get a bow to tune perfect for me, and then the next guy, you know, the guy I'm building it for grabs a hold of it, and, you know, he's got an inch and a half right tear, you know, it's, and then, yeah, it's like, well, I can only do so much, you know, it's your form, your grip, whatever, but, you know, every bow feels different in everyone else's hands, but. Yeah, you know, I think, it, I mean, I think it's a, it's the same as like shooting the sniper rifles and shooting and shooting rifles in the Marine Corps. It's like everybody shoots differently. Everybody, you know, but that's what it has intrigued me, especially with shooting those big bevel heads, um, or the iron wheels. Um, I just wanted to shoot them to force myself to learn a little bit more about, about that, about tuning bows, tuning or building arrows, you know, you know, I, there's guys that are way, way above me, but I just, you know, got to start somewhere. So, you know, maybe next year I'll get a bow press and I'll start doing some of, some of that kind of stuff too on, on my own. But for now, I just build build my own arrows, flesh my own arrows, uh, tune tune my bow myself, and and it worked out pretty good for me. I mean, I guess I never killed two bucks in one year before. So, yeah, you know, uh, once you get a bow press, the Matthews is one of the easiest. I mean, as a, in a press situation, you know, with the new Botex, uh, the, uh, prime or not prime, but the elites, you know, those have the, the tuning in the pockets or in the can. Oh yeah. So you don't yep. have to press them. But as far as pressing bows, like the Hoyt, they actually went back to the old shims. They, at least you can get a little tool that the shim pops into. So you don't have to try to stick your fat fingers in there and hold it. But you know, with the Matthews, you pop it out and you got the top hat system. That's one of the easiest to, uh, shim your cams back and forth with, you know, so that's one of the, you know, that and the switch weight technology. Like if you want to shoot 
like for turkey season, I'll be putting 60 pound mods on and not having to switch limbs like I did in the past. So but. See this guy's, I'm going to have to come down by <laughs> you guys and get a couple classes before I start uh, pressing my bow together and taking everything apart for sure. Yeah. Come on up. Well, uh, well, that's the good thing about having John. It's like, I just say, here's my bow, like make it, her up. Yeah. And then <laughs> I'll go over there and then I shoot it a couple times and he's like, okay, we'll make a couple twists here. We'll do one of these things. And like yeah. it, 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 it's, it's really, you know, beneficial, you know, I was, again, I was having a conversation with my brother this morning and he's, he's like, yeah, you know, I, uh, I ran out of rages. So I switched over to these Ram cats and I'm like, well, did you shoot them? <laughs> like how do, and he's like, well, they shoot just fine. And I'm like, how do you know? Like, he's like, well, my other one yeah. shot fine. I'm like, that, yeah, that's that, like that, a that, field tip. <laughs> that doesn't work that way. You know? Yeah. I was always a big, I, I mean, I never had any issues with the rages. Curtis shoots the rages still. Try to talk him into shooting some of this stuff, but you know, he he doesn't really care about uh, all that kind of stuff. Just just now, he's just more worried about killing deer. And the rages never really let let him. I mean, he shot his Minnesota buck right in the shoulder last year with the two inch rage hypodermic, and you know, blew right through the front shoulder, almost out the back shoulder. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, I've got nothing against any, any different kinds of broadheads. I just, I wanted to shoot the iron wheels because I liked them. Number one, I guess I just like the idea of putting almost like kind of strapping an old school arrowhead on there. You know, when I knock it, I feel like it's tough as shit. You know, I feel like I could, you know, shoot anything with it. And, um, then, uh, you know. Also, I just wanted to learn that stuff. So it kind of forced me if I'm going to shoot these broadheads. And I spent two or three weeks every day, you know, after work, kind of figuring out that stuff. And it took me a while to get them doing what I wanted them to do. And, you know, kind of proud of that, I guess, a little bit. Just learning that kind of stuff is it's fun, I guess, for me. Yeah, I mean, that's a... That's an accomplishment of itself. You know, I see these guys that, and I, I'm, I'm guilty of not doing it, you know, but that know how to, I mean, John, like to sharpen your broadheads so the way they're like, you don't even want to look at them. Like you don't want to handle them or anything, yeah. you know? And it's like, I've tried, I've got, I've messed up so many broadheads from like trying and it gets so frustrating. And it's like, you know, just to have like the discipline to sit down and be like, all right, I know that I have to learn this. Like, I know that I have to do this to, you know, to, to be the most ethical hunter, you know, to, to, you know, yep. do your due diligence for, for all of that. So, yeah, I mean, it's cool. Like I'm, I have John, so I'm like, I'm lazy on the bow side of it. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, you've kind of picked up since I, I mean, I sold a, my house back in June and I was supposed to start my new house and, uh, it still hasn't started yet. I'm like going to turn in my permits tomorrow. So that's why I haven't been able <laughs> <Yeah>. to hunt. <laughs> sure. Yeah. That right now is probably a tough time for that kind of stuff. Yeah. But it, I mean, at the same time, when we're talking about like misses and stuff like that too, you know, that's where social media is kind of nice too. Cause I've, you know, and I don't want to call these guys out or nothing, but you know, some of the bow hunters that I look up to the most, you know, like, uh, 
I don't know if you guys know who Andy May is. Probably, I would assume mm-hmm. you do. But it sounds like he just he he missed one, and then even Levi Morgan, you know, fifteen time world champ. I'm pretty sure he, you know, he shot one in Missouri, sixty five yards, and looked like he put a freaking smoke shot on that thing. And you know, then a week later he misses one. You know, so it's like, you know, some of these guys that are probably you know, hundred times better at shooting bows and tuning bows and know everything there is to know about bows. You know, people miss, you know, it's deer hunting. So if you want to be a deer hunter, you're going to miss deer. And that's just the way it goes. Well, I would say like the animal gets a say too. Like it isn't, yeah. like, you know, you could do everything that you want and they, yeah, they move, not, they duck, they, they not shoot roll. the foam target. Yeah. 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 So that, you know, that's, what's kind of cool about it. And that's what, you know, people get people get uh pretty down about missing and i mean i'm guilty of it too but it's just part of the game i guess and then yeah lately i've been i don't know you guys do a lot of private land hunting no 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 like like i think last year i hunted on our, my family's property with a with the rifle and I don't know the last before that was probably the last time I went up there, which was a couple of years ago. Like last year I hunted up in, well, it was last year, year before last year before last I hunted on Larry's property just cause I was going up. My buddy Larry lived up in UP and he passed away. It was a year ago yesterday. And so I went up there a couple of times to spend some time with him. And then I, he's got 240 acres and so that was pretty much the only private lane I've hunted in the last, well, 10 years. I don't know if the UP private land really counts. I guess <laughs> I don't know. That's probably pretty, pretty tough going just the same. I mean, that's kind of pretty close to where our, where I go gun hunting, you know, up, up there and that big woods type stuff. It's, and it's hard. Those deer to, to try and find, like, I like I'm talking about like those pinches and, like funnels and stuff like that up up there anyways is pretty hard to hard to kind of narrow them down i think they do they they do a lot spend a lot more time kind of browsing around but my big thing with the the private land guys this year has been everybody's just like totally bummed they're not seeing deer and you know i i just don't understand it because it's like well if i don't see deer then i just drive to a different public land chunk until i start finding them you know it's right. so and, and all these private land guys are so bummed they're like there's no deer on my land this year well go somewhere else dude there's all sorts of stuff <laughs> you know? no, I mean, no you want them just to stay in their private land and not see any deer don't don't go to the public we don't need any more people I, in the public <laughs> I, I don't know i mean it's just it's just frustrating i mean because you know i got like a stepdad he's got a bunch of river bottom land and Got a bunch of friends hunting public land and like, dude, they're just not in there this year. Well, yeah, man, as long changes every single year. You gotta bounce around, dude. You gotta try something new. You'll like it if you try it. You know, you go sit some stuff a couple times, don't like it, move. Well drive that, a half hour. That's the thing, is like hour. even on our property in the UP, like you get five, ten guys on two hundred and forty acres. It gets small like, real fast. <laughs> Like, you know, you you can't, you know, nobody's sitting in the wind. Nobody's, you know, you're just going to your spot, right? 
And so yep. like my brother and I can do pretty well up there because we go where nobody's goes, you know, where there's not a stand. You walk in there and you're like, well, this is where the deer should be for the wind. And lo and behold, that's where the deer are. They're not in front of your ladder right. stand, you know, <laughs> but, but like finding a big piece of public, it's like you go and you see a stand or whatever, you just go further, you know, you just go. You just go walk around, you know, and it's, I went to John's favorite spot <laughs> and, uh, I went out there the other night and my father-in-law had scouted it and he said there wasn't any deer out there. And I walked in and there's one truck in the parking lot and I walked out there, found a couple scrapes, sat on scrapes, didn't see any deer. And I was like, yeah, okay. Time to move to the next one. Like I was like, well, yeah, it's nope. the, it's the rut. Like this is where they should be. If, if there's deer here, they're going to be here. Like. No deer, like all right. Well, I, I gave it a yep. I gave it a shot, you know. But I tell, I mean, I tell all these guys too. It's like, well, you know, they're they're hunting the same four or five stands on their private land, depicting, you know, or depending on what the wind's doing, they'll switch sides of the property or whatever. You know, it's like I think I've sat the same tree maybe maximum of three times in a year. You know, I mean, I very, very rarely will ever sit the same tree. Um, and look at the, the THP guys, man. I mean, they, they don't even hardly ever sit trees. That's they just, just moving, moving around on the ground. That, tonight before I came over, I was watching, I watched Jake kill that bone on the ground. And then I actually watched your guys' video, the Iowa video again. I was actually showing my wife cause she was. She's like, man, that was a really nice buck. I'm like, yeah, you should see this buck, though, <laughs> the one that you shot. I'm like, not only that, watch, look at the quality of this film. And she was like, wow, that's that's pretty beautiful. Like, like all the the scenery and stuff, like the quality of your guys' work is just, you know. That, that's that's Curtis for sure, man. He's, like I said, that, that guy's exceptional at, uh, at, at what he does. And at this point in the, you know, like I'm capable of editing. I mean, me and him used to edit real estate stuff and I would edit some videos and stuff like that. But at this point, it's like, I'm not even, here's the footage. He'll, he'll ask me what I think and we'll make some changes. But, um, if I think, but very rarely do I ever be like, I don't like that. You know, it's always pretty good. And I just, you know, he, he's really good at that stuff. I mean, and, and the sound design is a big thing too. Like, I think that's where a lot of the videos on YouTube lack a little bit. Curtis spends a lot of time, um, uh, making sure the audio is good and adding some, um, different types of music and stuff. I think keeps people kind of, you know, it makes you feel what's going on a little bit, a little bit better, I guess, instead of just watching a deer come in for five minutes straight. And it's like, well, I'll just shoot the thing already too, you know? Or just listening to whispering for 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, for, for people who are like, oh man, you know, they listen this far and they're like, this, this is cool. Like, where can I, you know, buy a hat, buy a shirt? Where can I watch these films? Like, where can people go to figure out like who behind the bow is? Yeah. I mean, the behind the bow has got an Instagram. It's been doing pretty good. Um, it's behind just behind the bowl. Um, got the YouTube channel uh, behind the bowl. Same thing. 
the website was a little bit different. We couldn't get the behind the ball, so we had to do uh, huntbtb.com. Uh, somebody had the domain name bought up, and we tried to get it from them, and they just wouldn't let it go. So we got huntbtb.com. That was something that frustrated Curtis a little bit. But, um, but yeah, that all the films are on, on the website, too. Obviously, you can watch them there. Um, but pretty much everybody's on YouTube these days, and that's where the hats and stuff are, which we should be getting some more. Um, spare with us a little bit, especially during the, the deer season. We're not uh, uh, very good at sending stuff out or being very timely on that. Uh, we'd like to get a little bit better, but uh, all right, spend every chance we can in the woods. Yeah, I hear you. Uh, but yeah, thanks for coming on. And if anybody's listening, um, you know, and you work for Grizzly, Copenhagen, Kodiak, like whatever, yeah. uh, hit these guys up. All right. Yeah. Send some money. That would be sweet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'd be awesome. Oh, well, thanks for coming on tonight, man. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. <laughs>